Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello again, welcome back. My name's Ben. I'm Nicole. And you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. Warning, the following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. We're back. Yes. Hello. The first thing I do is bump my mic. Noob. (laughs) Noob. Right. Yeah, it it happens. Says uh, says you every episode. You're bumping your mic. Yeah, but also people can't even hear it. That's true. So that's because I put noise reduction in there. Good work. I know. I'm trying. Good job, Ben. I'm trying. I'm trying in the podcast in daily life. You know, the spring cleaning's coming out, and I've been trying to get things together around the house, but it's hard. We're trying to get our shit together. Yeah. But it's not really very successful. I mean, we're trying. That's what counts, right? Because we have a big move coming up. We do. I don't know if these people know that, but we are. I think we've kind of like we've touched, touched on, on it, it yeah. slightly, but we're moving into a tiny home in the summer. Yeah. So we're going like full on, like on wheels and, and everything. We have a, a piece of land selected right now currently. And this house that we're in is going to be going up for sale soon. Full ass lifestyle change, my friend. Full ass lifestyle change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this house is too big for us because it's just you and me and it's what? Three bedrooms up. We got another bedroom going in downstairs with potential more that could be made. Mm-hmm. Three bathrooms, double garage. It's I just... mean, we didn't think it was too big at one point, but then it's a lot of cleaning and we'd rather just like travel and live life. Then need a big house, really. Sit in our little tiny home cottage off in the country talking about murderers (gasps) on a podcast. Oh my goodness, it's going to be so fun. Our first podcast that we record in there. Oh, we should like see if we can have something that really pertains to like (gasps) an RV or like a small cabin. Yeah, does anyone have any suggestions? Oh, that'd be good. There's like a cabin in the woods. That's a good idea. Is there something that's like really spawn like horror movies like cabin in the woods actually or now Evil that Dead i think about that that's a terrible idea you Why? want to traumatize me <laughs> living in I this think tiny it would home be great it would be a great way to break in our first episode in the tiny home it would yeah we're starting to buy things for it like a, di- a little di- handheld dyson yeah, little vacuum. Sweet. mosquito stuff because the mosquitoes out there are horrific yeah and we're looking into a lot of things like water tanks and hauling in gravel for the lot and power those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And of course, getting rid of all of our excess stuff that we don't need. So we're doing a lot of donations and, and selling on Facebook, which is a horrific experience because people do not ever, ever like follow the listing at all. It's ridiculous. I bet you there's a true crime thing for selling shit on Facebook. Oh, I bet. Because I think people like have set people up and shit. I should find one. Well, I do know that people like they'll they'll 
definitely like set someone up and be like, oh, you know, I'll buy this off you or I've got this for sale. And then when people get money, they just like remove off Facebook block and they just go completely yeah. AWOL and just steal the money. So yeah. that's a thing that happens. I know lots. I see it on Facebook all the time where people get scammed. Oh, yeah. Because people are kind of a-holes sometimes. Yeah. So there's got to be but some But not our there. people. Our people are good. What do you mean our people? Our listeners. They're okay. good. Okay. Okay. I was like, I don't know, family? Or is that a racist comment? No, I know you weren't no. being racist. Oh I know. My that was gosh, a joke. That was the opposite of what I was being. <laughs> I was just like, what do you mean by our people? Like who? The like listeners. In circle or I what? just feel like our listeners are good people. Well, so far anyways, we definitely have some cool listeners out there. Yeah. So A plus to you guys for being super cool and awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So what do you got in store for us today, Ben? <sighs> I have a crazy case. Okay. But this one's not like crazy as in what we've done recently. Our last few episodes, we've done a lot of like murders, a lot of gruesome stuff. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to take a bit of a left turn and not go quite so gruesome and horrific. Okay. More of just like, how is this possible? What the F happened? So we got an unsolved case. There is no deaths uh, that we know of in this case. Okay. But it's a... A big old mystery. Those and a major crime. Always get me. I love the unsolved ones. I know you do. I'm surprised you haven't done more. So this is very much so kind of like uh, the Mad Trapper of Rat River, where we just don't know who this guy is. Okay. Very similar because this is the case of the infamous DB Cooper. Ooh, dun dun dun. Have you heard of DB Cooper no. prior to me talking about it? No idea. No. Is that bad? Probably. <laughs> Because this is one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in FBI history. Huh. Intriguing. So it's it's pretty intense. Okay. So you ready? I'm ready for you to entertain us. I'm. You ready for the entertainment? I need some entertainment ready, in like my life. Ready like spaghetti. Let's dive in and do something that rhymes with spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the afternoon of November 24th in 1971, a middle-aged man carrying a briefcase entered the Northwest Orient Airlines Airport in Portland, Oregon. He identified himself as Dan Cooper. He used cash to buy a one-way ticket bound for Seattle, Washington. And along with 36 other passengers and a flight crew of six, he boarded flight number 305. That's not, those Portland and Seattle are not far from each other at all, are they? No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. But I mean, there's there's connecting flights all over the place, right? Yeah, I love Portland and Seattle, actually. They're nice areas. I got lots go of beer and the coffee. They're really known for the coffee there, too. So you should love that place. <laughs> 100%. Definitely. Well, we've been there once. Portland once. Seattle a few... I've been a few times. I've been to Seattle once. And it was only for Emerald City Comic Con because I'm a big nerd. Okay, <laughs> you went with me, too. Did we go through Seattle, We though? did. We stopped there for an afternoon and, like, stopped at Crab Pot. And went to oh, the, that's right. the aquarium that's or right. something. For some reason, I, I was know. thinking that was in Portland still. No. But no, you're right. Yeah, because yeah, we were right on the, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like the the, the coast there with all the like the Ferris wheel Wharf? and stuff. I know. I don't know what it's called. I should know what it's called, but it's an awesome, the, an awesome area. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Okay, so I've been there twice. Okay. Okay, but so far, Dan Cooper doesn't sound like a terrible dude. He's just a regular dude going on an airplane, right? Yeah. So on board the flight, Cooper sat in the middle seat in the very last row on the right-hand side of the cabin. Cooper was a quiet man who appeared to be in his mid-40s, wearing a business suit, a black tie, white shirt, and once he boarded the plane, he wore a pair of black horn rim sunglasses. Wow, he sounds like a badass. I mean, he's definitely looking like it right now. Mm -hmm. Definitely he's kind of like got that men in black vibe going. Yeah, totally. So before takeoff, he ordered himself a drink. 
Nice. Because, I mean, you know, we're in the 70s here, right? So he ordered himself, ordered, he ordered himself a bourbon and soda and then lit a cigarette. Oh, my goodness. On the airplane? On the airplane. Is that shit allowed? In the 70s, yeah. Holy shit. I couldn't imagine yeah. being on an airplane and someone smoking. That's nasty. In total, I believe he smoked eight cigarettes while oh, on the airplane. Oh, gosh. So a short time after, a short time after 3 p.m., sorry, during takeoff, he handed a stewardess by the name of Florence, I'm terrible with names, but I'm going to try this here, Florence Schaefer, a note. The note read, quote, and I can't, I could never find confirmed quotes, so this is a quote I think is proper. Okay. But, um, Miss, I have a bomb here. I would like you to sit by me. <laughs> Can you guys hear that noise? It's our sum, our sum pump thing going off again. Maybe, maybe that suspense, noise. It's like the drum roll. Right? Maybe that denoising. Because my jaw dropped there. <laughs> so she was stunned and she did what she was told. Okay, so sorry. The note said, Miss, I have a bomb. Miss, I have a bomb here and I would like you to sit by me. Oh, shit. Okay. So like I said, she's stunned and she did what she was told. She sat next to Cooper and the briefcase he was carrying was opened and Cooper showed her a glimpse of a mass of wires and eight red sticks of dynamite. He then demanded that she write down what he told her. As a plane gained altitude, she soon was walking to the cabin, or sorry, the uh, the, the cockpit yep. of the plane with a note that said, I want $200,000 by 5 p.m. in cash. Put it in a knapsack. I want two backpack parachutes and two front parachutes. When we land... I want a fuel truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff or I'll do the job. So that's huh. what she delivered to the pilot. So does he want that freaking money by the time they land? Or Pretty I... much. You're, you're getting a little bit ahead oh, here. Okay. But yeah, that's what he wants prepared by the time they wow, land. Wow, that's quite the fucking demand. Right? <laughs> so this is, it's pretty intense what's going on. And during the flight, uh, the flight attendant by the name of Tina Mucklow took her place beside uh beside cooper okay. as the other stewardess made her way to the front right and she was now cooper's point person relaying messages over the phones uh the plane's inner phone back and forth between him and the cockpit for the next hour and a half because like you said seattle and portland are very close right yeah so when it arrived to its de destination over the next hour and a half the plane maintained a holding pattern above seattle while ground crews arranged the fueling truck and authorities produced a ransom and four parachutes. Good Lord. So they're actually like listening to him. Well, he's got a plane full of 36 passengers and six crew members and a bomb. I guess. But like, how do they know for sure that's a legit bomb? Well, better than rolling the dice, right? Touche. Touche. So what the authorities got together was $10,000 in, sorry, $10,000 $20 bills. Uh, they were collected from a nearby bank. And four shoots were supplied by a skydiving school. Now, the money collected from the bank was like a previously collected thing that was already set aside just in case of a scenario just like this. Okay. So the bank had already recorded the serial numbers and they were documented. Oh. So every single bill was able to be traced. That's smart. Yeah. So they, they were They're on like the ball. ready. Just in case, right? <laughs> now, the four shoots is actually pretty significant here because why would one dude need four parachutes yeah i was kind of wondering that actually so what it is here is there's a front parachute and a back parachute one is a primary and one is a secondary so one person will wear two shoots okay okay now him asking for four 
led the FBI to believe he's planning on taking a hostage. Oh. So they never tampered with the parachutes at all. They didn't want to risk the life of a civilian. So oh, they, so they okay. supplied um, what they thought were four adequate, untampered with parachutes. Okay. This is a little bit of information that's kind of not necessary, but I'll say it now. One of the chutes they actually did supply, one of the backup ones, was actually a dummy chute. They didn't even realize it. but Oh, so it wouldn't go off then? It wouldn't. Yeah, it was a dummy chute. Ooh. It's kind of irrelevant, but... Huh. Okay. So by 545, Flight 305 finally made its landing in Seattle. The hijacker exchanged a flight passengers, hijacker being Cooper. Yeah. Um, so those 36 passengers, most of which didn't even know that there was a hijacking that happened. Okay, seriously? I, that was one question I had. Like, do these people know that something's up? No, most of them didn't even know. Of course, they would know that they're circling. But Well, and that they're late as heck. Like, you think, okay. But I'm sure that the pilot was able to keep things under control. Cooper was being very discreet about the whole thing. Huh. Most didn't even Which is even know. good. Oh, definitely. So he exchanged the 36 passengers and two flight attendants for the money in parachutes. So he did keep four of the crew members. Okay. So once refueled, they were on ground for a little while here because there was apparently complications with refueling. But once refueled, the plane took off again at 7.36 p.m. Cooper then ordered a nonstop course for Mexico City. Oh, he knew where he wanted to go. He had an exact destination. He instructed they were to fly the plane with the landing gear down, the wing flaps at 15 degrees, and that they were to stay below 10,000 feet altitude. He also instructed that the lights in the cabin were to remain off and the stairway for the plane to be left open. Shit. So this is also important here to notify that the stairway for the plane on this model, a Boeing, uh, I can't remember the model. I have it later here in the notes. I'll give it a quick search. Boeing 337 or something like that. We'll we'll run into the exact model a little, okay. little later here. Okay. So on this specific model of plane, the stairs were located on the underside of the plane facing backwards. So facing the back of the plane. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, we'll get into that Trying a little later. Trying to visualize that. That's different, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah. not normal for yeah. sure. Okay. Now, there are two issues with his requests. A nonstop flight to Mexico City just wasn't possible. They have to refuel, right? Oh, okay. That's so after, quite a distance. Oh, definitely. Because you're going from like northern states to Mexico. Yeah. That's quite the journey. <laughs> yeah. And on this size of plane and everything, it just, yeah. So anyways, there was some debate about where they were going to land for refuel. Cooper suggested a few spots, but they eventually decided to refuel in Reno, Nevada. Oh, okay. Second, takeoff wasn't possible with the staircase in the open position. So the flight crew taught Cooper how to operate the stairs so he could open them himself once the plane was airborne. Wow. Well, I mean, he's got a bomb. He's controlling everything. Gosh, I just feel like there would have been an opportunity for these people to like run the fuck away or like kick him down. But Yeah, but who knows what specifically he had. Yeah, well, to... the bomb and yeah. I mean, if he lets go of that briefcase for all they know, it could blow up. And totally. if they try and tackle him, he lets go. Boom. That's true. That's true. So who knows what the situation really was like. They're in quite the pickle. Yep. So once they were in the air, the crew were to stay in the cockpit and leave Cooper alone. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he didn't want any more drinks? <laughs> I guess not. Maybe one final drink. Uh, maybe he did. I don't know. Not, not too sure, but I doubt it. 
So Tina Mucklow was one of the uh, stewardess who was still on board. Uh, she was the last to see Cooper. Uh, she was closing the cockpit door behind her, and he was standing in the middle of the aisle, looking as if he was preparing to jump. Oh. Now, after completing the journey to Reno, the plane made its landing safely, and they found Cooper was no longer aboard the airplane. Oh, okay. So they didn't even make that final Mexico City destination. Nope. They didn't even make it to refueling in Reno. Oh, interesting. So after completing the journey to Reno, the plane made its safe landing and he was not aboard. Uh, it seems that he jumped somewhere between Seattle and Reno and he lowered the stairs himself, you know, and just gone. And you left. And once it was... But of course, some people might be like, well, how do you know he jumped? Maybe he's hiding on the plane. Well, I thought that already. <laughs> they searched the plane. He, he was not they on the plane. They would find him, yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't on board the plane. And once they figured that out, they began to actually search the plane for evidence. And what he left behind was this. He left a black clip-on tie, eight cigarette butts, and two of the four parachutes. Oh, okay. The note that he left behind for the stewardess, he was actually smart enough to take that with him. Then, oh, okay. Why would they... It's a handwritten note. Oh, identify okay. handwriting. That's true. Yeah. I wonder why he needed four parachutes and if he only used two. It could have been a ploy for the FBI to make them not... Oh, you know, it could okay. Have, he could that have been thinking really ahead. That would be smart, actually. <laughs> Because the FBI, why does he need four parachutes? He's planning on taking a hostage. And if hostage. they would have, if he would have just asked for like two, they would have made them both not work. Exactly. Okay. okay. I'm, so I'm with you. He's on this. He's thinking ahead. Yeah. He's smart. He totally is. The description that was given to investigators led to a f many famous sketches. There's several different uh, renditions of the sketches out there. They, they mostly all look the same. It's just some okay. are a little more refined than others. Some have the sunglasses on or off. I'm excited to see a sketch. Well, it's going to be up on our Instagram. I know. So the description was he was a Caucasian male between the age of 35 to 50. He was five foot nine to six feet tall, medium build, black, dark brown hair and brown eyes. Oh, okay. And of course, with the clothing and his disposition that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast here as well. I feel like that's such an age span. Sorry, I just have to put that out there. It is. It I'm is. like, if I'm 50 versus 35, I hope people can tell like i want them to tell i'm 35 and not 50 yeah definitely <laughs> but i mean maybe some people look 35 when they are 50 that's true kind of hope for that right uh, yeah that's very true maybe it's like this dude's got a lot of gray hair his hair's receding but he looked young as fuck he could have been 35 or 50 i don't fucking know <laughs> he's getting id to the liquor stores that's all we know yeah <laughs> so to try and locate cooper Investigators needed to try and identify when and where the plane was when he jumped and to narrow down the search to, right. to find him. This was key. Right. This was difficult, though, since no one ever saw Cooper jump or leave the plane. Well, so exactly. They couldn't exactly identify it. Um, and this, when I say no one saw him, this also includes two fighter jets that followed the plane that night on the way to Reno. Oh, really? Yep. Did he, I wonder if he knew they were there. I, I'm going to say I doubt it. Huh. That's sneaky. Right. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The only thing they had to go on, though, was something the flight crew had reported. The last communication with Cooper was over the interphone or whatever at about 8.05 p.m. And approximately 10 minutes after that call, the crew experienced some oscillation or vibrations, which is now thought to be from the stairs lowering and his jump. Oh, okay. So that's the only thing they have to go on when he jumped. Right. So we're looking at about 8.15 p.m. here. Around then. In like November. So it's like pitch black, cold weather, right? That's terrifying. But it's something to go on. It's something and it's better than nothing. Yeah. So. I just feel like that'd be so terrifying to actually jump. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. So they have an idea on when he jumped. Right. And now they have an approximate time and they can identify the area because Cooper was not specific on a flight path. He was specific on destination, but not how to get there. Right. So okay. they determined Reno was where they were going to refuel, but he never told the pilot what how to fly or where to go or anything. So the pilot took a route that was familiar to him, the route being Victor 23 Airway. So they have a common, well-known route, and they have a time window. So you do an estimation. You can pretty much figure out exactly where the plane was when D.B. Cooper jumped, if that's... If that's actually when he jumped. If that's actually when he jumped. So, yeah. Huh. Interesting. And that location was approximately 40 kilometers north of Portland. Oh, okay. So not even that. They didn't make, yeah, they didn't make it far at all. Nope. By morning's light, the FBI had the ground and air covered in search crew looking for Cooper. However, remember, this is the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, you're outside of large cities, but there's a lot of mountains. There's a lot of dense forest. Yep. So you have a vast area. And you're talking about 10,000 feet up, approximately in a window where he might have jumped you have a vast landing area. And were they, so they were over land at that time? Yes, they were. Okay. Okay. So unfortunately, throughout persistent searching, the investigators never found any trace of Cooper or his items. Did he take the bomb with him? Yep. Oh, okay. He took the bomb. He had a main parachute. Uh, I didn't put this in here because it's not important, but I, I brought up that dummy parachute. Yeah. Uh, we get into a little bit about the main parachute, but the dummy parachute, uh, they theorized because he took that with him rather than the backup parachute. They think he may have took that dummy one on purpose because he used it to steal money because the other backup parachute was actually opened and pulled out as if he was trying to stuff the money in that one. Oh, okay. So they think he wore a parachute and the other backup one was actually for the money. Huh. Gotta keep that money safe. Yeah, yeah. Those dollar bills. <laughs> so during the search, remember, like I said, that serial numbers on the cash, you know, was all collected. There's it was all documented. So much smartness going on through this case. Oh, there is. It's yeah. very meticulous. Yeah. So as soon as this was like happening, as soon as this was secured that he's got the money and everything, these numbers were made public okay. immediately. Uh, they were looking for anyone who came across a bill matching one of these serial numbers. And there was even newspaper articles and rewards of up to $25,000 for anyone who could find a bill that matched one of those numbers. Wow. 
Unfortunately, no one was ever able to find one of these bills and match it to a serial number. No one? No one. Oh, I was expecting you to have like a big list of reports. Nope. That is. That's wild. Not until February 10th of 1980. Nine years later. Huh. So the person to find a matching serial number bill was an eight-year-old boy named Brian Ingram. He was on a small beach called Tina Bar on the Columbus River, about nine miles downstream of Vancouver, Washington. He was digging in the sand and unearthed three stacks of cash, totaling $5,880. Seriously? He was like, score! <laughs> right? Start the car! I mean, that's probably going to be my reaction when I find stacks of cash. No kidding. That's a lot of money. Oh, definitely. I, I couldn't find if they got reward money or not from I this. I hope so, because he could have just kept that shit. Well, it's going to be identified as soon as I try and use oh, it. Oh, that's And the true. money was quite deteriorated as well. Oh, okay. So, anyway. Interesting. I kind of already alluded to it, but Brian's parents gave the money to FBI, um, who then investigated the money. The two packs each contained $120 bills, and a third pack contained 90 it was a match. These bills had the same serial numbers, and they were still in the same order even as when they were given to Cooper nine years earlier because they recorded the bills stacked all in chronological wow. order even, and it was still in that specific order. So this huh. raised some questions, clearly. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, was it buried there or was it, had it fallen? Or Well, I mean, I'm going to get your almost ahead of me a little bit. We're right on that. Like, did it fall? <laughs> okay. Like, what happened? How did it get there? The area, though, in which they estimated Cooper would have landed and where the money was found was over approximately 27 kilometers apart. And not to mention the beach where the money was found wasn't even near the flight path that they took, that Victor 23 area yeah, or whatever. Okay. So they weren't even close to each other. I so, feel like that's kind of close, 27 kilometers? For 10,000 kilometers up and approximately where he landed. And it's not even in the flight path. I guess. Okay. So the first theory that comes up is the money. Could it have been lost by Cooper and maybe float floating down a river? Because there's a lot of rivers connected oh, in the area, okay. right? Yep. Uh, so would it have floated down the river and made its way onto Tina Bar there? And not so much because the Columbus River on the side, the bar there where it was found, yep. actually flows in the opposite direction. Okay. So that theory's out the window. That theory's pretty much out the window. But it does kind of draw another question to the flight path because if it was further east in a different drop zone it could have led to rivers that could have been going down and then collect connect to the columbus river and connect to that bar or if it was further west it could have been a lot closer or maybe even have dropped right near there so it draws huh. that flight path into question now yeah but i feel like that pilot knew what he was doing i think so but even though these things are still questions, maybe a little more east, a little more west. That's true. Doesn't really explain everything. How would three bundles of cash, separate bundles, make a 27-kilometer journey plus or even falling 100,000 feet or whatever fall side by side on a riverbank buried in the same spot? Yeah, I think it was buried. I'm team buried. Team buried. <laughs> So although the cash was significantly deteriorated, they were held together by rubber bands. And Cooper made away with his cash nine years ago. 
rubber bands don't last that long, especially out in weather. Oh, they're going to deteriorate okay. like and snap. It, for the amount that the money had deteriorated, the rubber bands would have by far, basically. Well, there's actually an experiment that was done in 2009 on this specific brand of rubber bands. And it shows that they could not withstand exposure to open air or water for more than a year. So someone wow. put that money there within a year. Holy shit. So that's eight years after D.B. Cooper, that money was placed there. That's wild. And there was ten, <laughs> 10 bills missing. Yes. Two. Huh. So it's kind of like, what the fuck happened? And the only real way to explain it is human intervention. Any way else doesn't make sense. It might not even have been him. Someone, oh, yeah. Someone else could have maybe found this money and just like hiding it. Right? It, I'm not saying it's Cooper. Yeah. But the only way it could have gotten there was a person. Yeah. Hmm. Who? Cool. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I like this. So with that, the only evidence we have left on Cooper is very little. He took the note from the plane, like I said. I wrote to the stewardess. It's nowhere to be found. So the only sample of handwriting they have from him is on his plane ticket where he wrote his pseudonym or supposed name. Oh, okay. Now, if you remember, Cooper was also smoking on the plane. There was eight cigarette butts oh. left behind. And with modern technology, we should be able to pull DNA samples and compare them to possible suspects. Right? Right? Right. Yeah, yeah. That is if we still had the cigarette butts. Oh, they didn't keep them? Uh, they went missing. They're they're just gone. Oh, he took them too. No, they were on the plane. Oh, shit. They were found by investigators. What the heck? But now they just don't know where they are. Cool. <laughs> Good job. So those are gone. We had them, Dang. but they're gone now. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. There was later in the early 2010s DNA taken from the tie he had left behind. Um, however, that's kind of moot because they don't know if it's actually his DNA. Because it could have been contaminant DNA from someone else, or it could have been like, maybe he just stole that tie from someone at the airport, or maybe he borrowed it from a friend. That's Who, true. Whose DNA is it? Or he just picked it up at like a thrift store or something. Like you have no idea. Right. So if he had, if we had those cigarettes, we could say these cigarettes were on his lips. He smoked them. This is his DNA. Well, or but like the tie, from the cup or something. I can't believe they didn't have anything. They didn't have anything. That's actually bad. Like, cause I was like, this guy's kind of smart, but for him to leave... The cup and the cigarettes and stuff. Like, well, in the 70s, though, DNAs... Wasn't really a thing? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So. You got me there. <laughs> so what happened to Cooper to this day is a mystery from here. While we're still got some facts to explore, most only suggest minimal to help support theories, unfortunately. Uh, so, for example, like uh, the four shoots, two were left behind. Primary shoot um, was a... The primary shoot of one left behind. There we go. Uh, one was a quote-unquote luxury civilian shoot, while the one he took was an older military model, which had no steering. So some oh. people say he like just made a bad choice. He didn't know what he was doing. Or there's the argument it could possibly suggest he was comfortable with this model that had a and had a military background. Oh, okay. And not only that, the airplane model, here's the model, the Boeing 727, uh, he, it was used by the CIA to drop military personnel in Vietnam War due to its design with a staircase located under the plane facing backwards. Oh, so okay. So they're thinking that he might have been military. He might then. have been military. It kind of sounds like it or seems like it. 
it's it's a very probable explanation, but still that doesn't lead huh. us anywhere. No. It could explain some things, but it doesn't really give us much to go on. One of another one of the most common theories actually um, is that Cooper didn't actually in fact survive the jump. It was nighttime in November, freezing temperatures, it was freezing rain and strong winds. He jumped blindly with a chute he couldn't steer into the Pacific Northwest forest. Yeah, but I feel like by now someone would have found him or the parachute or something. Exactly. If that's the case. That's true. But maybe someone did and didn't know what it was or it's just deteriorated so far. Who knows? I'm going to believe that he's he's didn't die. I don't like that one. <laughs> uh, something that supports what you're saying, though, is there was never a missing persons report matching Cooper's description or the sketch that was ever filed afterwards, which might suggest he's still alive. Oh, so no family okay. has reported someone looking like him to be missing. Or he just didn't really have family. That could be, too. That could be it, too. I feel like lots of people just, like, I bet there's people go missing and no one's reports oh, yeah. them. There right? are there are lots of cases Which like that. Which is actually sad. Yeah. <laughs> Real sad. One of the first suspects, um, whose initials were D.B. Cooper, was quickly eliminated, though. Um, and due to a newspaper mix-up, they printed the initials D.B. Cooper in the newspaper rather than Dan Cooper, the name that was the pseudonym name of this guy who was on the airplane. Okay. And well, now it's history. Dan Cooper, the pseudonym name, is now become D.B. Cooper because of that print. So that's where the name D.B. Cooper comes in, even oh, though he's really? referred to as Dan Cooper. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. Huh. There's another theory that suggests Cooper was actually Canadian. There's a French comic series with a protagonist pilot by the name of Dan Cooper. It's never been translated to English. I mean, maybe it has by modern day, but at the time it definitely wasn't, um, nor sold outside of Canada. And this could be an inspiration for his name. Huh. Also, when Cooper was talking with the pilot on board the plane about his demands, there were some communication between between ground control and the plane and then the plane and D.B. Cooper, right? Okay. Between the plane and ground control, supposedly... Um, they quoted him to say he was asking for American currency, which could mean that he's of another nationality. Because why would an American spe specify American currency? That's true. You would just say what you wanted. Yeah. I just want the dollars, motherfucker. Huh. So that's another theory that he's actually Canadian. So he's up in our parts of the woods. Maybe. <laughs> but again, it's just a theory. Yeah. There's there's a lot of theories out there on who D.B. Cooper is. Uh, there's several suspects out there and thousands of people actually who claim to know who he is. I'm talking like uncles, husbands, grandparents, neighbors, like the list goes on. Um, and of course, many people to actually be claiming to be D.B. Cooper himself. But with no definitive evidence to support any of these claims, there, there's no nothing to grasp onto. There's people literally on their deathbed saying, like, I have something to confess. I'm D.B. Cooper. But of course, there's more than one person doing that. Why, though? That's so interesting. Why do people... I don't know. Some people could just be that? so enthralled with the story or enthralled with the tale. Or maybe they want to... It's some way of them to be remembered forever. They're trying mm, to be D.B. Okay. Cooper. Yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of seems like a badass. Yeah. And there, there's definitely some suspects still out there, some people who are like, there's some pretty big 
coincidences going on, ex-military personnel, for example, okay. or people with name Dan Cooper, or people who have um, found their grandparents' possessions, and it's like, oh, he's got this model parachute up in the attic that was exactly the same as the one used. Oh. So, but but it's more than one. And I was trying to go through some of them, and I'm like, if I start going on this this route of this guy, this guy, this guy, I'm gonna be. This is gonna be like a week long podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I'm gonna do is I am gonna drop a link down below uh, with an, a YouTube documentary that helped me out significant significantly with my research actually. Um, and they they cover I believe five different individuals, some of the more high profile people. Okay. So if you want to check out some of the higher suspects, go check them out. There's also an HBO documentary that I haven't watched yet. I want to watch with more people claiming their grandparents or whoever um, are D.B. Cooper. Because, But it also would be scary to admit it at this point. You'd still have to like go to court and stuff, I imagine. Like they wouldn't just drop it. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the suspects too um, on their deathbed who they're like, you're dying. Like let it like we think you're D.B. Cooper. Are you? And they're like, might be. Wow. Some people are not confirming or denying, and some people are trying to say I am. Some people are saying I know who it is. It's just there's no evidence. Shit, I want to know. I want to know. We're never going to know is the problem. Okay, and the, the money thing, though, that money that they, like, dug up yep. was the only money that they ever came across then. Correct. Wow. Actually, something I did come Which across. Which is weird. I can't remember how much it was, um, but there were, I think, five or ten different bills that were sold in auction that were the bills that were found on that beach, right? Oh, okay. So some of them were actually sold in auction as, like, collectibles and this sort of stuff that were well, released. yeah, that's cool. And it was like, I can't remember how much it was sold for, but it was like, I think all the bills in total, they were $20 bills, so if it was like 10 that's like $200. I think they sold for like thirty-two grand or something wow, like that. Wow, who's making that money? <sighs> I don't know. I wonder, hey? <laughs> I would want one of those bills. I know. I actually would too. That's super cool. <laughs> there is one more little piece of evidence here I wanted to save to the end. Okay. As for Cooper's motive. Okay. Okay. Why would he do this? Tina Mucklow, if you remember, was one of the stewardess upon the plane. Right. And while the hijacking and all this was going down, she asked him, like, why are you doing this? What's what's going on? Uh-huh. And he responded, and this is a quote from Tina. Um, it's not because I have a grudge toward your, towards your airlines. It's just because I have a grudge. Just a grudge. But against who or why? Huh. And like, okay, so like I know what he was doing wasn't great and shit, but like no one re- got harmed, really. Yeah. So no one was like, harmed, but he stole a shit ton of money. So what was his, what was he, you know, getting out of this? Yeah. And it's money that he could never spend. Exactly. Because he would have known that too well, that with was, all the news and stuff going that's out. That's kind of one of the things that they were trying to do is they were trying to prevent him from spending money. And if they did find some money that was spent by him, huh. they're going to find him. Man, you should have asked more questions. I should have been on that airline. I would have <laughs> asked him a million questions. Who are you? Where do you live? What's the grudge? Tell me your background story. I've Can I see your identification? That. Holy. So, of course, like I said, the internet's swarming with theories and stories about this case. And you can literally go down a rabbit hole for, like, years trying to figure out just who D.B. Cooper is. Oh, I imagine. But the fact remains, who is D.B. Cooper? It remains one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in FBI history. And it also sounds like it's one that we'll never know. I don't think we will. Because if I'm going to guess, I would say D.B. Cooper is probably... Dead. Dead already and if not he's probably on his deathbed 
And even if he does, or he's close to being like, he's got only a decade left maybe. Right. Yeah. Even if he comes forward, there's so many people saying it already. The yeah. only thing that's going to prove a person is DB Cooper is if they come forward with the stacks of cash and saying, I'm DB Cooper, here's the money I stole. And maybe that parachute or the note, right? Maybe. I think the money's the key player here. All that money. Out there. I think the money is the only way of definitively proving it. If someone says, my grandpa left this in my possession, it's a giant suitcase full of money <laughs> and it's all the serial numbers. Wow. Even still though, how do we know that her grandpa with all that money he left her was, a friend didn't give it to him right? or something. So we still don't know who D.B. Cooper is. Dang. I don't think we're ever going to know who D.B. Cooper is, but if that money comes forward, that's the best shot we get. And I don't know if it'll ever come forward. My brain is just going like a mile a minute right now. <laughs> I really want to know, but yeah, it's kind of neat leaving having it as a mystery, but I want to know. There's, like I said, there's, there's rabbit holes to go down. I have, because, well, you know, I'm on night shift half the time. I got to stay up to like 4 a.m. when I'm switching from days to nights. Yeah. I've sat in front of the YouTube, like <laughs> the rabbit YouTube. hole going down this video, that video theories on this, like many a times. It's one of my favorite cases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to watch this YouTube uh, yeah? video that you're talking about. Well, like I said, I'll link it down below. And of course, you'll see it before that. But yeah, that's Sweet. the case. There you have Cooper. it. Huh. Wild. Yeah, so I appreciate you guys being here and listening and talking with us. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, and make sure you guys stay wicked. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.